This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Hundreds of thousands of people are expected to gather in Washington, D.C. this coming January to demonstrate for life. January the 24th is the date set for the 47th annual March for Life in the nation's capital. Pro-life people have been gathering every January 24th since 1974 in protest against the Supreme Court's infamous Roe v. Wade decision that legalized elective abortion at any stage of pregnancy in the United States. Speakers and workshops are featured in addition to the march, which begins at the National Mall and goes up Constitution Avenue to the Supreme Court and Capitol buildings. The theme for the 2020 march is Pro-Life is Pro-Woman. March for Life Vice President of Government Affairs Tom McCluskey talks about the upcoming march on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. The iconic cereal brand Kellogg is embarking on its most high-profile foray yet into the world of identity politics with the announcement of the specially packaged cereal meant to support the left-wing pro-LBGT lobbying group GLAD. Altogether, cereal is a limited edition variety pack of corn flakes, fruit loops, frosted flakes, frosted mini wheats, raisin bran, and rice krispies with the mascots of each brand appearing together on the same box. It was created in recognition of GLAD's Spirit Day 2019. 19, which the organization bills as a means of speaking out against LGBTQ bullying and standing with LGBTQ youth. The Thomas More Societies filed a complaint against the Illinois Reproductive Health Act with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights. The new Illinois law requires health insurance policies to cover elective chemical and surgical abortions. According to the complaint, this mandate, which compels businesses and individuals to pay for even late-term abortion coverage and offers no religious exemptions, violates federal Weldon Amendment and the Affordable Care Act. The law, now known as the Illinois Public Act 101-13, mandates that every health insurance policy in Illinois that provides pregnancy-related benefits to provide coverage of elective abortions and to do so without cost-sharing beyond that required for the pregnancy-related benefits. It does not include any exemptions for religious individuals, religious organizations, or even churches. Alliance Defending Freedom Attorneys filed a friend of the court brief yesterday in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit in defense of a 55-year-old cross located at the Mount Soledad Veterans Memorial. The American Civil Liberties Union and its allies are challenging the constitutionality of the cross, which is located on federal land at the memorial. ADF attorneys represent the American Legion Department of California in the case. During the weekend, Democrat presidential candidate Robert Beto O'Rourke walked back on his recent threat to eliminate tax-exempt status for churches that hold biblical understanding of marriage, but he made it clear that his stance was largely unchanged by interpreting the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as requiring churches to indulge homosexuality and gender confusion. However, he made clear that his stand was largely unchanged by interpreting the Civil Rights Act of 1964. 
During a CNN town hall on LGBT issues earlier this month, the former Texas state representative answered yes to revoking the tax-exempt status of any religious institution that opposes same-sex marriage. In the interview, he repudiated that stance on religious institutions but defended it for other nonprofits. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Every day, things happen affecting the lives of Lutherans worldwide. These may be mercy efforts to a disaster-stricken community, threats to religious liberty, or cultural trends. World Lutheran News Digest takes an in-depth look at one issue each week as I interview newsmakers and experts, along with a quick review of the week's news. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. If you have a question or comment for us at Worldwide KFUO, it's easy to contact us on our website, kfuoam.org, on our homepage, Click on Contact Us, where you'll find a map and directions to the station, our telephone numbers, and an online contact form. You can also send an email to our in-studio account, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'd be happy to hear from you today. Thanks for listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. The annual March for Life is scheduled for January 24, 2020 in the nation's capital. It's the 47th year pro-life advocates have demonstrated in the nation's capital against unrestricted elective abortion. And this year's theme has been chosen, Pro-Life is Pro-Woman. To discuss it with me is Mr. Tom McCluskey, who's the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for March for Life. And you have quite a background, Mr. McCluskey, including the honor of having Keith Olbermann once calling you the worst person in the world. I, I know. I, I think part of my job is trying to make sure that uh, Mr. Olbermann is is always relevant so I can keep that part in my resume. Um, <laughs> but it, it was due to uh, some work I'd done when I was with a group called Family Research Council on the Terry Schiavo case, if you remember a few years back, uh, forced 
I mean, basically a homicide down in Florida uh, for a woman in a vegetative state. And I hold the badge uh, gladly. I remember that case quite well. Uh, the woman was uh, starved to death, apparently, by the uh, by the court, by the, the husband, and the husband's lover gave permission. Uh, correct. Well, let's move on to something a little bit better. We are going to be doing the March for Life again, and I'm sure, as you're aware, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is heavily involved in the movement. Could you tell me a bit about the history of the march and the significance of the date, the 24th? Certainly. Well, uh, the march began uh, it, by it, this woman, Nellie Gray, back in 1974. It was the anniversary of uh, the horrific uh, case of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, which allowed for abortion on demand at all, um, at all stages of pregnancy. And they wanted to do something to recognize uh, this horrible anniversary. And for the last 47 years, it's, it's so sad that it's hap- it had to go on this long. However, for the last 47 years, hundreds of thousands of people gather around the day of that court decision uh, in January, uh, regardless of the weather. And it's somewhat of a pilgrimage where, where we all march as one. And it's, it's actually, over the last couple of decades, been a very joyous occasion or a vo- very joyous event, mostly young people. And I think they understand that the end is near and where unborn life will be protected. Well, we can certainly hope that'll be the case. We know that there are a number of cases now before the Supreme Court that may well open the situation to reverse the Roe v. Wade decision. The theme for this year's march is... Pro-life is pro-woman. What is the significance of that? It'll be a number of things. It's one thing it's going to be the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in the United States, whereas women got the right to vote. Uh, So what we're trying to highlight is how many of those early suffragists were pro-life. Susan B. Anthony, um, Alice Paul, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And throughout the years, we want people to understand as we believe that we're nearing the end of abortion, we want people to understand their roots and and the people who have come before us in fighting this. So all year long and at the march, we'll be highlighting a lot of these people who um, were at the beginning of of what is basically equal rights for all, starting, I mean, with African-Americans during this and before and after the Civil War, uh, going to the rights of women, and a number of these women then also went into um, to fight for the unborn. It's also interesting to me that uh, Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion provider, was actually founded by racists and eugenicists. That's exactly right, and and that's why a number of the early suffragists were were opposed to a lot of the policies they have and and also those who came beyond them like Fannie Lou Hamer who was a civil rights activist during the 1960s helped organize a number of the freedom rider buses and it's one i think the left would try to love to claim as their own however she was also very outspoken when it came to the issue of abortion calling it a genocide upon her people and certainly uh, Planned Parenthood did uh, disproportionately aborts uh, the babies of women of color. Exactly. And especially uh, you look at the abortion capital of the world, or of the United States, at least, New York City. Within New York City, it is most likely that an African woman, American woman would abort her child than to bring it to full term. And these are all things culturally that we hope to highlight and to address uh, throughout the year. 
What will happen at the march? Um, well, uh, if, if you've never been in the March for Life, I highly recommend that people co- that, that you come. Um, there are a number of events surrounding the march. We have a conference a couple of days beforehand, or the day beforehand, where it's uh, the largest conference uh, around the event that helps to highlight and drive home not only the theme for the year, except also what you can do throughout the throughout the rest of the year when you go back home. How to even everything from how to lobby to how to raise money for a pregnancy care center. Uh, then the day of the march, regardless of weather, you've, we've done, marched in blizzards. Uh, hundreds of th- normally hundreds of thousands of people show up, and we go from what is basically right ne- right near the White House all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, uh, just marching up, it's quite a sight to see. It is the world's largest annual civil rights march, and uh, it it's just quite a sight to see. I seem to recall that the uh, peak march a couple of years back was something like 600,000 people participated. And for years, there's never been less than 100,000. Right. Uh, that, that year was the 40th anniversary, and um, uh, we we'd probably should expect something similar when the 50th anniversary, which is uh, amazingly just about three years away. Uh, and hopefully we'll all be mar- marching for something much more positive. And as we go forward, uh, it's not only just about overturning Roe v. Wade. It's about creating a culture where abortion is unthinkable. How do we do that? How do we create that culture? I think a lot of it is education. It's and um, a lot of it is is what I normally work on is legislation side, and I talk with members of Congress and all. However, I know not to push them that far when I understand that we need to make sure in our pews and our churches and synagogues and to make sure that they understand that we need to stand up for those who are voiceless and that we need to push back and help educate those people in the pews to do more uh, for these situations so that women who do find themselves in women and men who do find themselves in this type of situation understand that there are fellow human beings there wanting to help them out and willing to help them out. And that there are pregnancy crisis centers that do exactly that. Right. And and there are also organizations that even go beyond. And, and a number of the pregnancy care centers now are starting to offer a lot of the services that Planned Parenthood for years has claimed to offer. But now they also hope to offer a lot of the medical services as well. In fact, that was the uh, one of the reasons why the last uh, past president of uh, Planned Parenthood resigned, was that she wanted to expand medical care uh, as part of the Planned Parenthood uh, offering. But the, apparently the uh, board of uh, directors, the people who were ruling that, said, no, we're going to concentrate on abortion. I know that uh, Planned Parenthood claims that abortion is only like 3% of their uh, services. And, of course, they're playing with numbers, and you can see why once you read their uh, annual report. But the fact is that that is the single largest moneymaker for Planned Parenthood? Oh, without a doubt. And and I think uh, the former director, Leanna Wen, uh, highlights that so much. And, and I, I'm glad we certainly disagree on the basic issue of, of protecting the unborn. However, I'm glad that somebody who was honest had that position even for just a little while. She still speaks out. Um, that I think she understands where the winds are going. And she understands that for such organizations to survive, they need to embrace life uh, and empower life, as our theme says, 
uh, and to move away from the scourge of abortion. What about speakers at this event? Uh, do you have any lined up for this year? And who are some of the some of the speakers from past events? In the past, we we normally have a number of elected officials. I mean, Chris Smith from New Jersey is is a mainstay who's been coming to almost every single march. Uh, we try to get Democrats as well to speak. And it, just in the last four, three years, uh, we've had some very high-level people speaking. Vice President Pence has spoken twice at the march, and President Trump has, has uh, spoken via video live to the march as well twice. So we'd expect more of the same, and, and I guess I would just tell people to stay tuned as we start announcing who's coming. But we can expect some high-power people. Without a doubt. How can people find out about the march? How can they sign up for it? And this is a big country, and Washington, D.C. is only one city. So how can we find out about it? You can go to our website, uh, marchforlife.org, uh, and right there on the front, it'll tell you about how to get here and, and what you can do. And also, um, one thing that we're starting to do as well is to bring the marches to you. We're already in a number of state capitals. Uh, we, we were down in Richmond, Virginia. We're going to be in uh, Pennsylvania next year. We're going to be in uh, Maryland. We're going to be in Connecticut. We hope to be in California and a number of other states to help bring the March for Life and the enthusiasm and the unity that it brings to the states where the actions really are happening and uh, where we'll see a lot of the legislation after Roe v. Wade is overturned. One thing I've noticed is that, uh, and, and you've alluded to it here, is that on the day or close to the day of the uh, National March, the local and state right-to-life groups often stage their own demonstrations in the state capitals and major cities. I know we've had one here in St. Louis, which is not the state capital, and of course I've seen it in the neighboring states as well. This seems to be a growing trend. It is just amazing that this um, elderly woman back in 1974, Nellie Gray, what she inspired, there are over two dozen marches around the world throughout the year, and there's over about 100 just in the United States alone. What we hope to do is to, to take that grassroots, ground-up enthusiasm and um, to, to organize it a little better so that we're all working as one toward, towards that culture where abortion is unthinkable. Uh, Mr. McCluskey, something that you alluded to earlier that I have noticed is the changing demographic of the marchers. As you pointed out when it first started, it was a senior citizen, an elderly lady. And now I'm seeing more and more young people involved in the march, not just not just the older tri people, but younger and younger the, the march seems to be getting. That's true, and it's just amazing that, I mean, schools take off uh, for the day, and we found that with the state marches as well. And it, it is just, it, for an old man like me who's been around for a little while, right, as, as long as Keith Olbermann, as you pointed out, um, it's just so inspiring to see all these youth and to hear them start chanting that how uh, Roe v. Wade won't survive their generation. It's, it's, it's hard not to believe it, to see all their enthusiasm and and to see the joy in their faces, that they understand they aren't marching as much against abortion as they are marching for life. That was another uh, contrast I wanted to show between this demonstration and many others. Uh, virtually every demonstration you see is usually against something. That's not the case here with the, with the uh, March for Life. People will claim that it is, but it's really in favor of something. As the, as the uh, title suggests, it is a March for Life. Right. And it, and it was uh, 
brilliant that I mean, at a time when a lot of pro-lifers back in 1974 might have been feeling that, oh no, all is lost, and and it's really become and and um, and this is something that we inherit. Our, the current staff here inherited just this enthusiasm and all. It's really become a beacon um, and one now that you can see and hear about all around the world. What would lead you to believe that we are getting close to the end of Roe v. Wade? I, I think um, you mentioned pregnancy care centers. I think the rise of those. I think um, uh, the fact that organization, I mean, abortion giant Planned Parenthood is on the ropes, that, that they're stumbling almost for the first time. And for the first time, I mean, President Trump accomplished uh, what Ronald Reagan started back in 1984, and that's at least partially defunding the abortion giant Planned Parenthood. Um, there's still there's still a lot more work to be done, but um, and also you just see the younger generation. The younger generation seems to be inspired more by causes that they see as um, along the lines of social justice, and uh, a lot of them understand that social justice begins in the womb. Well, that's part of it, you know, protecting those who cannot protect themselves. Exactly. Another thing I've noticed, uh, you know, we're getting cases now before the Supreme Court. This, the court is a little bit more open now to hearing cases along these lines, where in the past they've just rejected any kind of a challenge to the abortion laws. That doesn't seem to be the case now. Uh, no, and, and um, uh, especially with the two new uh, justices on the court, I mean, personally, I, I do think, um, I don't think any of them are prepared to overturn Roe v. Wade, even though that's the... The other side seems to be, and, and like New York legislature and all, seems to be fearing that it's going to happen any day now, except I think they will open the door more and expanding, uh, the, allowing the states to do more to help protect life. And one can only hope that there is a retirement on the Supreme Court and we can get that, uh, that last vote we think we need to uh, completely overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, one argument I've heard from, uh, from pro-abortion forces is that this is now established law. It's, it's court precedent, and that will stand. And yet, I can think of a number of times when the Supreme Court has actually reversed itself. Uh, for example, Plessy versus Ferguson. That was reversed by Brown versus Board of Education, which ruled that racial segregation was not legal, where Plessy said it was. Another case was uh, Gideon versus Wainwright, where it turned out that the states, uh, the uh, the law was that the states uh, do not have to provide uh, representation for criminal defendants in state cases, only in federal. And that that was overturned by uh, by uh, Gideon. So maybe we're going to see some changes there. I don't know if this court is more open to overturning uh, precedent, but they did in the Juno case. So who knows? Um, I, I certainly think so. And if you see some of the recent comments from Justice Clarence Thomas, um, and I think he reflects some of the thinking of others on the court, is that... Um, those cases, uh, a number that you cited before, and, and Roe v. Wade, I think would would fit into this. We're we're more uh, we're less about the Constitution and more, I think, about the times. Um, I, I mean, I'm talking Plessy versus Ferguson or Dred Scott or or again uh, Roe v. Wade, and what we have on the Supreme Court right now are constitutionalists who who know that and understand that the role of the judiciary is not to make laws. Uh, that is the role of the um, of Congress and the legislative body, and I think they want to see a return to that. 
Well, another thing is that a lot of the arguments that were made in court that uh, in the Roe v. Wade decision simply weren't true. For example, the numbers of, uh, of women who died uh, in, in illegal abortions. The, the, do- the doctor who actually made that claim then later stated that he made it up. Right. And even uh, Roe herself, uh, Norma McCorvey, um, as well as the, the young woman who was Doe in the Doe v. Bolton case, both recanted their stories, uh, said how they were forced to lie, and spent the rest of their lives trying to help correct the error that their names have been attached to. Would that also uh, help in reversing a precedent? I I would certainly hope so, and I think that's what a number of the justices would be looking at, is is looking at the original arguments. And even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who... who, um, does support uh, abortion, has argued in the past that uh, how badly Roe v. Wade was uh, decided, um, that it set bad precedent, and she would have dis- she would have came to the same decision, but not using the what we now know are made up facts uh, to reach that decision. Well, we're running out of time, so I'd like you once again to talk about where the de- the demonstration will be, how to get there, and how to find out about it. Oh, sure. If you just go to marchforlife.org, and that'll give you all the about the conference as well as the march itself. And we usually uh, it's right right around the Washington Monument is a is a good uh, indicator of uh, where to gather and meet. And the rally starts at noon, and then at one o'clock, we all as one march up to the Supreme Court uh, to let both the Supreme Court and members of Congress know that uh, that this is a pro-life nation. And this is for January the 24th of the year 2020. I'd also like to point out that the uh, LCMS is participating in this. And uh, if there's any Lutherans out there, hopefully there is, are listening to this program, contact the uh, International Center at uh, lcms.org. And you'll get information on how you can contribute and how you can help and how you can participate in this message to keep abortion out of this country and bring life back to it. Mr. McCluskey, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to tell us what's going on out there and wishing you all the best. And you're going to be seeing an awful lot of Lutherans out there. That's fantastic. The more, the merrier. Thank you very much, sir. Good day to you. All right. Thank you. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.